functional and live. Good podcast host, Shaylin Allen West. Greetings with Bedhead. And our terrible, evil podcast host, Ben Jurek. Still basking in spooky season over here. Oh, it is spooky as heck for all of us, and getting spookier by the second with this new Necron book. Wah! Yeah. Dusty Robot Boys. Oh, man, yeah. I I I say we just like dive straight into the subject this time because we got a lot of stuff that I think is real interesting to talk about and these are some heckin' spooky boys. Yeah, it's a it's a super deep book. Um I have some really yeah. good impressions of it and honestly no matter like its power level at the end of the day, it it's pretty exciting with where this edition is going. Let's let's open up with everyone's kind of like what's your first impression of the book um, from from whatever perspective you may be bringing to things. So, I didn't really know Necrons before this. So this is my first mm-hmm. real introduction to reading them and like mm-hmm. learning them. So there's a lot of I don't know how it fits in. I still don't really know the whole ninth ed concept and meta quite. Yeah, that's fair. I don't think anyone really does quite yet. <laughs> um, but I have even less context than most people because it's just not a it's not a book I've read before. So I'm like, oh, okay, I mm-hmm. guess that's how that works. Was there anything that jumped out at you? Is I mean, like, it's not literally the first time you have fought Necrons before, but probably the nuance of adding in like gw is clearly trying to push a certain aesthetic of army because they have Mm. a warlord selection hierarchy now that is less in player choice yeah uh which kind of pushes a theme that's all through the book that's like you better bring some characters because this is this is not a book that functions with two characters on the table no Ben, what was what's your takeaways here? Well, compared to the Eighth Codex, I think it's a significant shot in the arm while also not being incredibly different. Mm-hmm. Um, the The new units are once again following tradition. Are all actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, all the new unit, all the new units are good. Uh, it got buffs where it needed to be, and there are some things that like literally almost everything that was like super good or like you tried exposing an eighth is now been slightly nerfed or didn't really mm-hmm. get touched or just got a point increase so um you're not going to see the you know triple doomsday arc triple uh triple flyer lists um anymore like that 
That's, yeah. So that, that's, that's that's the initial impression is that oh this changes lists, but there are some things that are just like whoa what the hell um, yeah as far as far as what they what they put in there and like some like all the satans have been super buffed Oof. and um the, yeah. the the silent king is absolutely a monster um like there's there's so many there's so many fun things and it and with reanimation protocols change how they are mm-hmm. it makes uh, warriors well probably worth it yeah um so like there's there's a lot of stuff to take in and there's a lot of oh wow we can there's like a bunch of different ways to build necron armies now um and all the dynasties like the the especially like the custom ones there's some really mm-hmm. interesting dynasty abilities too yeah i i would definitely say that my first takeaway on reading the book is there's nothing truly bad here in fact there's maybe two units that i would say are not good enough that they're really ever going to see much competitive play and even those two are like well with a point change maybe um there's there's very few bad units in this book and there's definitely a lot of like viable options um, this isn't like with some of the early eighth books that we saw released where, um, you took one look at them and you could be like, oh, I know what, I know what the good unit is, or mm-hmm. I know what the one good sub-faction from this book is, and that's going to be the one that everyone always takes. Like a lie talk. Yeah. There, there yeah, was never a... any com- competition for a lie talk. That's absolutely not true with this one and actually um let's talk a little bit about the dynastic codes because i think these are really interesting in several ways they're all pretty powerful Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's not any of the like of their codes or traits that i really dislike and Mm -hmm. there's one that's never been like seen before um in any other army and hits the entire army and that's the that that six inch pre-move oh okay yeah Yeah. what's before we touch on that one because i want to talk about the uh the six standard codes a little bit first but then we're going to jump off to that one because boy do i have some stuff to say about that um (laughs) of course you do sean yeah well um the interesting thing with these is that they're they're definitely taking a cue from the later books of eighth where they're layering on more abilities to each of these dynastic codes because uh, all of them have at least two abilities um not counting the thing with protocols which is not really an ability it's it's a weird thing but um they all have two like major abilities sometimes three on a couple of them um and that means that like you're paid off a lot more for going uh single dynasty yes yeah the uh the the single the single dynasty stuff um i i'm i'm really liking the direction they went with that um i i like how this this book has obviously um gotten a lot of inspiration and a lot of the the learning curve as they've been writing the psychic awakening series mm-hmm. um and everything else so this is obviously um a book that they've learned from and i my my only fear with that uh is that as we go on and on into the edition is the same situation well it was the first ninth book so it's not as good as the other books 
So I'm uh, yeah, that I'm a is... little bit cautious there, but same time, um, this is an exciting place to be in the game because things are only getting better and more interesting and more dynamic. Yeah, and that's always going to be the thing. Like they learn about the addition as it goes on, so that's kind of unavoidable. Um, but certainly, to a first glance, all of this looks like pretty interesting and functional stuff. Um, there's not really any of these that I look at and I'm like, I don't even care about that. You can't, what good is it? Um, which was a problem a lot of the sub-faction traits in 8th had, where it's kind of like, you get reroll ones on morale tests so your entire army is within 12 inches of seven characters. Yay. Yeah, it's not. It's like, when is that actually relevant? Yeah. Um, <laughs> the Grey Knight relic the Dread Knights got stuck with that right. almost never came up. That? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas this one has some very powerful abilities, and they, they, I think they know a lot more about what Ninth is going to be like than they did about Eighth when they first made Eighth. Um, because you can see some of these abilities are clearly like trying to play into directions that the game is already going. Well, the other thing I observed is um, 8th edition was them trying to fix literally everything that had been going wrong with the game previously. Because there was yeah. a lot messed up there. And yeah. 9th edition is what happens when they've fixed a majority of the worst of the problems. And now they actually want to build a fun game. Mm-hmm. They, they had a better framework to come off of. 8th edition was 9th 1.0. Yeah. Yeah, this isn't as drastic a change. Let's talk a little bit about on some of the, the more specific stuff here, since we've been sort of, like, chatting in general. But I think some people are definitely curious about, like, some of the things that we've, we see as being, like, powerful choices from this new book. Um, yeah. And since we're already on dynastic codes, uh, I think there's two relatively easy, like, strong choices, and others that are good as well, but, uh, so, for me, I would say, uh, one of my two is Novok, just the, the core dynasty one there, which is plus one to charge rolls, not bad by itself, and plus one AP on the first turn of any fight. Um, Necrons don't have a lot of great AP weapons on a lot of their units, uh, so this really turns stuff like Wraiths and Scarabs into much more dangerous units, I feel. Get wrecked power armor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're gonna have to be killing a lot of power armor. And then the other one, uh, which Shaylin kind of... So I had to choose. <laughs> yeah, the, the other one that is, you're gonna see a lot of is one of the, uh, uh build your own dynasties, which they do in an interesting way. I'd, I'd like to talk about a little more of that later, but um, the combination of obsec for everything in your army and double obsec for your troops. Yeah, that's pretty hard to argue with. With a free six-inch move at the start of the game for everything in your army. That's really powerful. Yeah, that's like everything you want in Ninth Edition right there. Yeah, Obsec freaking wraiths. It's a thing now. Yeah. And and like obsec on all your vehicles, your characters, like 
we've seen salamanders kind of like abusing this like single model obsec already necrons do it even better here oh yeah i like i like to point at my favorite dynasty oh yeah um, that's that's a that's the non build your own uh-huh. uh, build your own is obviously my favorite that six inch pre move is it enables so much not even just like with objective holding just but oh my god the, um, that six inch move is incredible yeah, the uh, my I like the I like the Nefric a lot. Um, the translocation beams are that's that's actually my third favorite. Yes, that has a lot of play. That's the movie movie one, right? Yeah. So they they get a bunch of different benefits. They're one of the ones who actually gets three things. Uh, everyone in the faction gets a six up invulnerable save. Doesn't yes. seem like a lot. Sisters players will tell you it's better than it it sounds. Um, second of all, every time they advance or fall, sorry, every time they advance, they can choose to translocate instead of making the normal advancement move, which means they automatically get a six on their advance die and they can pass over models and terrain as though they weren't there when moving, but they can't use any assault weapons or other abilities that would allow them to shoot when advancing. Uh, and third... They where they can also translocate when they fall back, which means it's basically impossible to trap them in combat. They never need to spend two CP to get out. Nice. It's basically like they yeah. all have teleport packs. Yes, that is there's exactly. A, there's a lot of movement shenanigans, and yeah. I like movement shenanigans, especially when it interacts with like with with terrain that other things can't move through, and this and that, and um, and keep in mind that this isn't just infantry. This is all their stuff that gets this so it's um so there that there's there's some shenanigans super shenanigans and i'm I'm excited for them oh yeah Yeah, that that ability to just sort of go like 11 inches on your first turn with every model in your army you you can't underestimate how powerful that is um because a nephrak will just sort of like be on all of the objectives turn one yeah and that's gonna be a problem well and the other thing is even if your opponent brings a lot of obsec uh-huh. you can move block them off the objective you can just make it so they can't physically get there yes absolutely whereas they are going to find it incredibly difficult to consistently block you out due to your ability to just pass over stuff. Yeah. Also, your Necrons, and Necrons are good at not dying. That's their other big shit. Yeah, they are. And and let's actually talk about reanimation protocols a little bit. Oh um, boy, it's better than discussing the Resilient, and I hate that rule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. So... Reanimation protocols is, in most ways, a now just a form of disgustingly resilient. With a lot of asterisks, because it's got nuanced. It, it's it's much more complicated than that. The rule is actually quite complicated overall. Technically, every time you get attacked, you then like figure out how many models died and you count up their wounds and then you roll that many dice and then your five up successes bring back models um but functionally what it boils down to is that you have 
for for all single wound models anyways, which is the ones who really benefit from it, it is a feel-no-pain that doesn't care how many damage you did. It's like which the, is uh, scary. The, the ADMEC trait where every time you die, you get a save to not die. Yeah. Uh, except this one is, you know, twice as good because it's five ups, not six ups. And you have way more stuff to enable it with other shenanigans. And it's on models who are generally tougher than the ADMEC models are. It- it also doesn't rely on how many you know wounds are still that still need to be dealt to it. So yeah. Like in gray, if you're resolving thirty wounds, you still have to resolve all of those dice. Uh, once your model dies, that's it. Like yeah. Your, your model's dead. All you resolve it on the rest of the unit. As long as the unit's still standing, you roll for everyone. Um, yep. So it, it it plays a bit different in some ca- in most cases better, I would say, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. than the house gray trait. Um, yeah. But it. They're moving 20 warriors is going to be pretty gosh dang hard because this isn't just a single phase thing. This is every time they're attacked. Every um, single so time. And it's, it's on every unit with at least two models. So it's not like the old days where it's like, oh, it's just warriors I got to worry about. It's like, no, all the Canoptic stuff reassembles itself as well. It's a lot less likely to because they're multi-wound and that's much more difficult for them just the way the math works out. Um, But your opponent can still just pop a wraith back to life sometimes. And that's going to be super frustrating. Also, living metal everywhere. Yeah, the combination of living metal and reanimation protocols. Living metal, for those of you who weren't familiar with the old version, is actually still identical. Um, It's just at the start of your turn, you heal one wound, but it's on every single multi-wound model. So those wraiths, not only do they pop back to life with reanimation protocols, but they also heal themselves with living metal. Including the Satan. The Satan, Satan do. We're, we're going to dip into the Satan in a moment here, but I want to I wanna finish this discussion because that's a whole thing of its own. Um, the combination of living metal and resurrection pro- or reanimation protocols is really strong, and it really pushes the, uh, the toughness of this codex. Uh, we're like, yeah, ninth edition is a very killy edition. You're still gonna struggle to bring down blocks of Necrons. Yeah, didn't they go up in toughness too? Uh, some of them did. Um, okay. they, they, a, a number of them changed in toughness and wound values. Not all of them, though. The basic Necron warrior is still T4 one wound four up. Okay. Um, it's just that now he has a special secret save that he always gets. Whereas before, you really didn't. No, because your opponent was savvy enough to murder the whole unit out on you. Yeah, and it's not really an option unless you do it with a single shooting attack, which is not terribly likely. So the other thing that I wanted to kind of touch on here is like a, a general rule that they have is the protocols, um, which is basically like their version of doctrines. Um yes. It's the thing that you only get if you are playing a, not just mono-faction Necrons, but mono-sub-faction. And it works in a very similar way where, like, you have a set of five abilities that you progress through one by one as the game goes on. uh, With no, like, ability to kind of, like, set yourself back or otherwise influence things for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um... 
but Necrons have a little more flexibility in it than uh, the Space Marines do, and theirs are a little more kooky rather than just being, like, plus one AP all the time, because we're just better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do very much like that they are, they're making this push for, like, hey, just play one faction. And one detachment. Yeah, you can do multiple detachments, but they they want to all still be the same uh, keyword so that you're getting the benefits of your protocols, because otherwise you lose it. Um, and I like that they're pushing this angle because that was a thing in 8th, where like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm playing pure orcs. See, I have one big detachment of evil suns, and then one detachment of bad moons, and then one mixed detachment of six other sub-factions. It's like, cool, that's going to be fun to keep track of. I I missed the seg detachment, okay. Yeah. (laughs) We all did it for a reason, Mm -hmm. and it's nice that GW has realized, like, oh... We need to provide incentives not to do this, because if we don't put something in here that disincentivizes players, they're going to do it because it's more efficient to gain two abilities than it is to gain one. Yes. Or have all of them available to you, because like, yeah. if they didn't have that, I could see I would run... Double, triple dynasty, pretty pretty common. Yes, um. uh, because obviously, like, different units benefit from different dynasties more. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really appreciate that the protocols are there. It's also interesting that the protocols are keyed to uh, uh, have a... You need a character nearby to benefit from them, which really kind of, like, pushes this, like, 30 spooky metal boys led by one crazy man. Yeah, I, the thing I don't like about that, though, hmm. is the fact that it, it doesn't hit Space Marines the same way, um, which is the other codex it's currently out like that. I, I'm yeah. I'm disappointed that that that's that's a that's a limitation that other like like while it's cool and flavorful and a great design choice, it's only a great design choice if other armies have a similar effect. Well, I think the the counterbalancing point is that. Um, Space Marines only get one effect, uh, minus one AP. They get it on different weapons, but they only get that one effect, whereas Necrons have multiple different abilities that you can sort of, like, pick from and shuffle around um, in a way to try and gain best advantage of them. Um, All right, I think protocols are are better. That 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 is correct. I'm just... Yeah. See, seeing seeing as how that like has to apply like how there's that checklist is like okay also i don't like the checklist from a from a tabletop perspective yeah. where it's like where it's like check check box one check box two check box three and like that, that's an easy thing to miss and make a mistake on on either end mm-hmm. um, yeah so the one issue i do have with the book is that it is a little too complicated in places um, I feel like the protocols are a little bit too wordy at spots. Reanimation protocols is a friggin' mouthful. There's seriously like four paragraphs of text there, uh, shrunk down to super tiny size that's like, and then after this, roll this to do this to do this, which gains you this many tokens, which each token can be used. It's like, well, okay, guys, all right, there, were, there was an easier way to do this, I'm sure. I do appreciate it though, um, yeah. Because I, I prefer more wording uh, to get something across, and then we all understand how the rule plays, and it's actually 
like even though it's a four paragraph description at the end of the day like the actual action of doing it's pretty short yes Um, it's just it just gives a full understanding of how it's supposed to work otherwise you get these weird gray areas and you end up with stuff like the uh the forge world index where no one quite knows. And I, I will also like put a little small caveat in here. Some people really like complexity and depth and the simplification of 8th and ninth. Necrons is just like, here's an army that's a little more complicated for people who like that. Yeah, it's... I don't know. I think I think there is a a quality to simplicity that shows like very clean rules design, mm-hmm. and it's not always achievable. But I think that should be the goal. And I feel like there were places that they could have simplified things down without breaking anything, but they they just sort of like took the safe route on those. And fair enough. I'll I'll take safe and successful. That's not the worst kind of game design you can do. All right, Ben, you 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 mentioned Satan shards or Catan shards or no one can agree on how that's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, so every everyone pronounce it differently. Choose your one and stake out your territory. Um, what wh- wh- why don't you dive in there? Because oh boy, these are we're gonna see these. So all all the Satan, every single one of them got buffed. Um, yeah. they they used to be like mediocre almost demon prince like beings and with powers that were not as good as demon princes all the time um and in this book uh they are they all got increases across the board Mm -hmm. uh and all their powers are pretty bonkers um and then (laughs) i was gonna say the actual katan powers are pretty similar to what they were before they're a little bit stronger, but not drastically so. Certainly not enough to make for like a you know thirty three percent point increase. Um, oh yeah, but it's they, the other stuff that got better. That was that was that was the thing. Pars trying to avoid is talking about that point increase. It's like yeah. yeah, they while they while they all got buffed, they did get they did get that. Um, but uh, they're yeah no like the Seaver's still great. Nightbringers. God dang! I, I think that guy should be in every month. That guy's he's, gonna be in every. He's list. gonna be he's... in basically every list. Um, he's, <laughs> he's super strong for, and for those of you who haven't looked at the book, um, the the big thing with the Catan is yes, they can be targeted. Um, even though they're technically nine wound characters, they can still be targeted because their own rules. Um, but they have Gazgol's rule where you can only do three wounds to them in a single phase. And they have living metal because they're a multi-wound Necron model. So, of course, they have living metal. So they heal one wound every turn. So if you're only doing damage to them in one phase of the game, you basically can't kill them until turn four. Which means they've acted till turn A lot. And they are also no joke in melee now especially the nightbringer he is maybe the hardest melee hitter in the game now i actually wanted to fill your caveat on the that, that gas cool type rule um oh, yeah. and say nightbringer nightbringers kill other nightbringers in one turn they do um cuz <laughs> let's let's just go through nightbringer's list of bullshit right now so he has a strength 8 ap4 damage is damage three or is it damage four? I want to say it's three. 
Nightbringer's stats, he's got either a sweep attack or right. the, bi- a, the big swings are the one most people care the, about. The big swings are strength 14. Oh, that's right. Nate yeah. Ford, uh, yeah, he D6. doubles up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he, his his basic stat line on the melee weapon is bonkers. He wounds most things on twos, cuts through their armor, and hits for you a heap of damage. But then he also ignores invulnerable saves. And mm-hmm. since he's AP4, he basically ignores armor saves. And he ignores special rules that allow you to ignore damage. Um, such as, for example, Disgustingly Resilient or Gazgul and the Nightbringer's Rule. Um, mm. So, if he hits you and wounds you on a two... That's just damage coming in. There's not really anything you can do about it. You're just taking that damage. And that's really scary, because he's six swings. He is entirely capable of just eating a whole squad of Primaris by himself with just his melee attacks to say nothing of his Catan powers, which are themselves... Undeniable psychic abilities, basically. Yeah, they're, they're, they're psychic abilities that can't be shut down, and that if if they were psychic powers, I would say are strong ones. Uh-huh. Uh, I, think the, I think the custom one where you pick a unit with no line of sight um, and roll 3d6, on, and on 4-ups you deal d3 mortals, is yeah. actually just beyond one of the most powerful abilities in this game flat out like that it's that is it is very short range nine inches is not a long ways um but it that's where he wants to be anyways and one with with pre-game move and everything else he, he like, can't benefit he, from the pre-game move um, he doesn't right, have because yeah not a not from the dynasty the um yeah, my bad but even like everyone's gonna be moving on to the objectives in midfield otherwise they lose um which means he's gonna be right up on top of people the fact that he can do 6d3 mortal wounds and then go in for his unstoppable melee swings, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. And most lists cannot kill him before plausibly, like, bottom of two, top of three. Yeah, there, and there's some stuff in here where, like, that, that mortal wound ability, it, it picks on so many units that are being leaned on right now heavily yeah. in, like, the competitive meta where, like, you have these, like, you know, you have, like, the, the bike captains and salamanders, mm-hmm. like, with their, you know, how they're, like, a million toughness and mm-hmm. super impossible to kill, and he just he just looks at it and it dies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, I put my brain laser on him. It's like, well, oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Or, <laughs> like, it's like, or well, the, the, the Judicator. Uh, where he's just like, oh yeah, and I got this aura, and like no one's gonna get to fight, and you're like, actually, what you are is dead, and I'm charging you. Yeah, yeah that that guy is this guy's absolutely like I I if I see one on the table, I haven't got to play against new Necrons yet. Yeah, but if I see one on the table, I I honestly have no real answers for it. It's like it's it's rough. Uh, if you can, can do eight wounds, if you can hurt him, <laughs> if you can hurt him in two phases, you're doing all right. Um. Because at that point, you know, you're putting six onto him, he heals one, you do six more next turn and kill him. And outside of the wound limit, they're not actually that tough. T7, four up invuln, no armor save to speak of, uh, nine wounds. Once you get past the three wound limit, they're not actually all that tough. So you can just, 
like turn one chip some wounds on with like bolt guns or whatever um and then on these sort of subsequent turns is where you're going to be going in and like okay now i gotta bring it all on him um, but it, yeah. it means that you must be able to deal, deal with him in more than one phase. You can't rely entirely on one phase. So, yeah. sorry, Tau, uh, <laughs> but everyone else at least has options. Actually, well, talking about Tau, um, I'm actually very happy that they made this ability. Uh, it's kind of a sneak peek as mm-hmm. the things you might see in the future. Um, and I think in armies that don't really participate in all the phases effectively that well you might see like a big ion cannon that says it ignores x and ignores x Um, could be and that you know that would be a strong a strong thing to you might see i'm i'm hoping it means that they recognize that armies not being able to participate in phases is kind of a problem for the game um yeah and or that they're going to give those armies that normally can't participate in phases like more kind of rule breaky stuff to let them move outside their box a little more uh but it's really hard to know right now because it's it's so speculative at this point yeah it's a this is a unique thing it only hits here but I, i'm excited to see it it's it's a good concept overall um they're clearly still fine-tuning exactly how to use it, because, like, you know, they put out Gazgol, and now they got this, and, like, it's a thing they've been doing a whole bunch in Age of Sigmar as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's 350 points, too, so it's not like... Yes. You... They they did at least realize that, like, oh, these guys need to be expensive. Um, um, the other thing is you can only bring one per detachment, one. I believe? Yes. And one of each type. So you can't bring, like, three Nightbringers. That's not allowed. No. Uh, and we haven't really talked about the Deceiver a whole lot, who's the other named one, or one of the other two named ones. Um, he's also good. Um, he has a Still lot good. of shenanigans. I think the Void Dragon Shard is also good, but he needs a little bit different meta than what we're seeing right now to really shine, because, like, a lot of his stuff is anti-vehicle. Um, even the transcendent, the generic shard, I think has some possibilities, um, just because it's a lot cheaper than the others. Um, but it, it will be interesting to see what, what people make use of each of them. All three of the named ones, I think, are strong considerations for many types of lists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think you're gonna see them. Um, they they definitely fit the general genre of ninth edition. Mm-hmm. Um, of what you want out of a thing. Yep. Uh, so I don't see why people won't take them. Um, unless you start seeing a lot of stuff across the board that suddenly ignores that you only do X wounds to me in a phase. Um, guaranteeing X time phases or X turns out of your uh, out of your units kind of puts a big check box. Check, check mark in the box of a unit I want to take because yeah. I'm no longer out my sh- my shadow sword type unit on turn one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and also it's, uh, I think, very relevant to remember that these guys can come out of reserves. Mm-hmm. These guys can hide behind terrain. They can do everything that a normal monster can do in terms of, like, doing stuff to protect themselves 
And I tell you what, if you're trying to imagine, like, late-game nightmares, Nightbringer coming out of reserves on, like, turn two or three, that there's not going to be anything left to deal with that guy at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you bring, like, you bring uh, the new, what are they called? The, uh, what are the destroyer guys called that have the cannons? Uh, uh, Lo- Locust destroyers. Oh, okay, yeah, the new heavy destroyers. Yeah, yeah, those. You bring a group of those, have them do the work, even though um, yep. they 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 nerfed their uh, their all their uh, term their protocol that used to get a lot of playing. Oh, there. yeah, it's it's still it's not quite as good as it used to be. Um, it's still full rerolls to wound. It's just no longer also full rerolls to hit. But they have built-in reroll on ones, so that's not as bad as it could be. Yeah, you, you might lose a couple dice at most, but yeah. they're they're still they're still insanely good. I'm not yes. I, I'm not going to knock them. Um, I also I'm also a huge fan of the Doomstalkers too, as far as the, your anti armor component. I've been looking at those. The thing that puts me off them is their ballistic skill four up. And yeah, there's a guy who gives you an aura plus one. That's cool. Um, but four up native with degradation is really like, oh, I don't know. I don't I don't trust four ups at all, ever. Uh, uh, well, yeah, as someone who had degradation four up models in my army, I didn't take them. Yeah, it's... Um, it's rough, but I'm not saying they're bad. That just makes me very leery of them initially. I just want to play it so when I'm playing the Silent King and they kill the Silent King, I can play the ridiculous stratagem <laughs> that allows me to absolutely blast it yeah. with the positive ballistic skill. Revenge like you're literally just the, playing it for the it, Silent King to the, just the, to just die, the, and then that thing and get blasted with a plus two to hit a uh, uh, guy like. That, okay, that's, yeah. that's what I'm doing. Well, <laughs> and here, here's the one thing you gotta give the Necron book. No matter what else you think about it, it has some of the best possible names. That oh, stratagem yeah. that you get, like, when, when your character dies to use as, like, a revenge thing is called Revenge of the Doomstalker. Oh, yeah. It makes me want to throw up metal horns, like, right now, even though this is an audio medium. <laughs> I, I I can visualize them just fine, Sean. Yes, <laughs> but for for those who don't know, there, there's that that stratagem only affects uh, Doomstalkers. Yeah, um, and then they get to shoot at something that killed a, that killed a, a character that turn. Um, and the Silent King is a character counts for all of that. Yeah, so he is a character. It, it's it's a it's a fun combo that you'll get to pull off as much as you want if you bring those two units. It's expensive. <laughs> but... uh, yeah, Silent King is a pricey beast. Can we talk about him? Yeah, yeah, sure. do, definitely. <laughs> he's he's huge and cool. Um, I think he's I think he's in it. I I won't call him a Mortarian equivalent for those that know the prior edition well. That sounds about right. Yeah. He's a big, beefy, tough boy with a lot of attacks. Yeah, you know, he he brings a, I mean, he brings his own shields. That's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, and he's also interesting because he is multifunctional. Because like he has very strong shooting, at least sort of like initially, his things are going to die, so that's going to let limit have a time limit on it. Beyond that, like he also is pretty good in melee. Not 
outstanding, certainly not Mortarian level, but he's dangerous enough that people aren't just going to, like, wander into him. Um, he hands out some pretty significant buffs uh, in both shooting and melee for nearby units, um, and he has several relevant utility abilities that kind of, like, change how your game plan plays out. Uh, and on top of all that, like, he is tough enough that he's not just a pushover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I think his combination, I think when he's played well with other units, mm-hmm. um, which is weird for a 450-point model, uh, yeah. but I think, I think, like... I appreciate that about him, that he's not, like, yeah. just a guy who does it himself. He really, like, enables the rest of your army. Yeah, bring bring those uh those other uh melee, melee units like Praetorians and and stuff like that. The yeah. the the auras he gives is are really really good. Like, yeah, super good. Um, and in an addition, where you want to like move out to mid and sit on it, mm-hmm. if if Silent King and ten Praetorians are there, uh-huh. good, good luck. Yeah, like yeah, you're you're not you're not taking that. There's little. It's literally impossible. Like you you fight last. Like you can charge in with all the you can charge in with all the super melee units you want. Um, it, they don't care. Yeah, um, the, they're going to murder you with reroll hits, reroll wounds. You fight last. Like it's uh, it it's a scary thing to have to deal with. Yeah, if if it's good, if there's good terrain and they're behind it, and you have to try and like move that brick, mm-hmm. you're you're not gonna like it. <laughs> it's. Let's let's wrap up our discussion of the units here before we kind of move into the the final phase of all this thing. Did either of you have units that you specifically wanted to kind of like make a final call out on? Uh, Shaylin, it's I'm I'm curious to see what jumped out to you as someone who's a little newer to the book. So again, I don't have a lot of context, but uh, mm-hmm. the way the like reanimation works and stuff now and the fact mm-hmm. that like just warrior blobs is a thing is what jumps yeah. out to me mostly yeah. it's just like oh my humble troop choice is just going to be good and you have several ways to bring back extra guys to the squad even after they've failed reanimation protocols oh yeah which so it's it's like okay i've chipped your unit of 20 down to six I've got you now, and he's like, mm, I'm actually just going to add six more guys back into the squad, and then I'm going to roll reanimation for everyone and add six more guys back into the squad, so I'm actually back up to 18 now. Yeah, just shifting a unit of warriors, that concept, that's what jumped out to me. Because they, they're troops, they can get super double obsec. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have 40 guys on this objective with OBSAC. It's like, well, yeah, that's going to be yours. <laughs> no one has taken that away from you. Quite impossible at that point. Yeah. Um, ben, is there anything else that had, uh, like, leaped out to you? My my gold star for most improved mm-hmm. is going to go to the Triarch Praetorians. Yeah. They got buffs all around um and also have a kick-ass character to go with them now yep. uh they 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 are the much needed sigh of relief and sigh and uh sigh of an introduction desperation <laughs> um 
uh, and they're they're the they're the thing that Necrons kind of needed uh, mm-hmm. to be in this role, the melee the melee uh, durable role, um, and they fight the current meta really well. Yes, their, most of their stuff is damage two, yep. and congratulations, two models are the standard now. Damage um, two, good AP, melee, and shooting. Yeah, they 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 interact well in all the phases. They. Mm-hmm. They are resilient. They, in combination with said Silent King, they're absolutely hurt. like I don't want to see them yeah. <laughs> as an opponent. Like I, I really, really don't want to see that. That's really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if like if they have any sort of advantage on you, um, you're you're just kind of you're boned. So um, can I can I put a quick question to you? Because this was sort of like sure. I've seen a lot of people talk about them. How do you feel about their resilience? Because I look at them, I'm like, that's cool, they're fast, they hit hard, uh, they're they're very flexible, I love all that, but I also see two wound, three up armor, no invuln, um, you know, uh, basically a unit that could get Avenger Gatling cannoned down in a single phase pretty easily. Um do you see that differently? Or are you less worried about that? Or I'm curious. I think I think they uh, I think they need a, I need they need some assistance okay. um, to be, to get delivered. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether you know um, I'm not familiar with their their ability to be in transports or whatnot, but uh, uh, they are allowed to be inside uh, the night scythe if you want. Uh, night scythes yeah. are actually I think kind of criminally underrated so far, but we'll see what people. I do think with them. I think night night scythe is gonna be my surprise, but they're my question mark. Yeah, um, I was gonna say night scythe as as one of the most improved, but they're my question mark because they don't operate the same as other transports. When you kill them, you can't dump out. Yeah. Um. Uh, you can. So now, that's my actually. only. Uh, oh. they they are a standard transport now. Um, they no longer obey their wacky choose a unit and start in reserve they just they're just a transport with a capacity of 20 i thought if you killed them though the units didn't come out uh, because they have air airborne i mean because they're aircraft nope that has nothing to do with it uh i've never seen that be a problem that was a thing in seventh edition um but is no longer a uh a thing they're just they are a transport uh, guys get out of them when they get exploded. Um, well, then they're my favorite transport because that was my only yeah. issue with them was they were they were aircraft. Um, and stuff couldn't pour out if you killed them. Uh, but otherwise, no. That I'm yeah. very happy with them at that point. Then, then. I think um, the night scythe <laughs> is uh is going to be a a very sneaky thing, especially like a single night scythe in a list. Um, but I wanted to stand the point of oh, yes. the the thing that the thing that defends them in combat um, when you when you finally have them where you need them to be mm-hmm. uh, is specifically the Silent King's aura. Yeah, that's um, fair. That that like the like they don't need to be durable if they're never actually getting hit. Um, hmm. So if you charge in with your super death blob to kill that death blob, you're, you're well gonna they're get... gonna hit you first. Yep, and it's gonna be bad. <laughs> that's fair. Um. For my own choice, I'm actually going to go with uh, Canoptic Scarab Swarms. Um, can be taken in units of nine. Uh, fast moving with fly. Lots of wounds, lots of attacks. They Any sixes to hit automatically wound whatever their target is. And you can get extra AP out of Novak or some of the other things. You can get them a 5-up invulnerable save. They have reanimation protocols. 
they're very difficult to get rid of, and they can chew down enemy horde units as well as occupy board space very effectively. Big um, bases. They're big bases that come in a large unit with fly. That's absolutely enormous. And also, if you're bringing canoptic spiders, which are also secretly very good, uh, pro tip, it's possible to reanimate a spider, which means you just get a free six-wound model. It's pretty big. Um, but Scarab Swarms, if they're in range of a spider, they just get a new base every turn. No rolls, no anything. You just you just get a base. That's great for a tar pit unit. That's true. Yeah, I think all the Canoptic stuff is great. I mean, everything in this book is great, basically. Uh, there are very few bad things. But I think that all of the Canoptic stuff is good and has a lot of synergies. There's a whole bunch of auras and other abilities that you can slap onto Canoptic guys that make them really scary. Hey, Sean, can we can we get on, uh, on after we're done doing the, the good stuff, can we talk about the least improved stuff? That yeah, let's, okay, let's, let's hit a couple bad ones uh, before we, we jump into anything else here, because we're being really nice to this book. It has its flaws. There are some problems. Uh, it sounds like you have a unit you really want to specifically hit with the hammer right here, Ben, so why don't you go ahead? Well, let's uh, the if we want to talk about unit, I also want to talk about a rule. So I'll hit sure. both because this unit has both. Okay, um, and that would be the other flyer, the good old Death Scythe uh, or Doom, Doom Scythe. Doom Scythe, yeah. Um, they went from like the thing I don't want to see on the Necron table mm-hmm. to the to the overcosted, not well. I guess they're just really way overcosted now. Um, yeah, it's a lot to ask for them, uh, especially when other things that are cheaper have the same big gun as them. Ooh. Not quite. Uh, the the Doomsday Arc does sort of have the same gun, uh, but it actually is less effective in a lot of ways. Um, because yep. it's really easy to miss, but the uh, the heavy death ray, because they have the heavy one, not the regular one, is D3 plus 3 damage, which is better than any of the other versions of it. Oh yeah, it's but, it's it's still a turbocharged gun, but yeah. it's on the platform it's on at that many points with no invuln. Uh, yeah, and the, air, and the new ninth edition aircraft rules. Yeah, of, I, well, the yeah, real it, problem for that thing is very much the ninth edition rules, which are be on objectives all the time, get on objectives. Why are you not on objectives? And mm-hmm. aircraft don't hold objectives. Nope. Also, you can you can shoot them from wherever you're at, no yeah. matter what. They can't hide behind anything. They can't benefit from cover. It's it's a rough life being an aircraft in ninth edition. But they also have some Tesla guns, and I want to put my my rip to Tesla. Uh, <laughs> it's still fun. It's not what it was. No. Tesla proccing Tesla Tesla on four up was led to some absolutely ridiculous amount of hit resolution uh, where you're hitting way more and you're actually shooting yeah. um, 10 shots it just made up 30 for, hits it also made up for bad ballistic skill because like you you're like oh I, I missed two but I got this one six and ta-da yeah um, so it that Tesla is, I'd, I'd rather the, take Goss in most cases the, especially in the meta the real killer for me on Tesla is that they are zero AP one damage even for the heavy Tesla destructor. Yeah, one damage, zero AP, just don't cut it at 
because like Marines in cover are like, oh, wow, 16 wounds, huh? <laughs> Up, lost one Primaris guy. All I know is I know a lot of Necron players that have Goss guys sitting on their shelf, and those guys get to come off the shelf. Oh boy, they are, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shaylin, was there anything, uh, any bad raps you want to throw down at some of these guys? I don't have enough context to really do that, honestly. That's fair. That's fair. I'm so, certain there's something I'm missing. Oh, I, I bet there's one that I'm that even you can recognize as terrible. The terrain piece. Oh no! I didn't Don't actually talk about read it. that data sheet. We can so, ignore it. No. <laughs> well, you already know everything you need to about it. Then. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's it continues in the proud history of all the other terrain pieces they've printed in being just unusably bad, which is a real shame because it's pretty cool looking. I like the way it looks. You can use it on as table yep, terrain. Yep, going to be going to be great <laughs> table terrain. A neat part of some display boards, I'm sure. The rules for it are hot garbage. Games Workshop can't write fortification. It's worth a damn. Yeah, it's got to be on purpose at this point. It can't be an accident because they're too good at writing everything else while being so bad at terrain. So it's it's gotta be intentional all right let's let's move away we've we've talked a lot about all these units and things so let's talk a little bit in the sort of the future looking sense here um because i think between this and the space marine codex which came out at basically the exact same time Mm -hmm. we see some interesting trends in where ninth edition is likely to go. And we've already talked a little bit about some of them with the sort of like mono faction stuff, the build your own traits and the, the sub faction traits and whatnot. Uh, But there, there's a lot of other interesting like arrows kind of pointing forward here. Um, The one that actually I thought was uh, kind of a a bit of a backtrack and an interesting one was um, making more use of the universal keywords. Uh, For example, the dimensional translocation, which is just like the standard reserve rule, go into reserves, come out more than nine inches away. Uh, But now it's just like it's a thing that's printed all over the book rather than like being repeated with a like one word variation on six different units. Yeah, I I am appreciative of the cutting down and simplification of of doing that instead of just being like oh it, it, instead of having these much larger data sheets. It's like yeah. oh here's here's how this works. This is here's the word. Um, yeah. So I didn't notice that at all because in context the Grey Knight Universal rules are very like. They're they're universal for that codex, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's that's how I feel. Deep Strike rules should be written because that's how they are written for me. Grey Knights had a version of that. They're like teleport strike thing. They were basically the only codex that did. I um, didn't know that because admittedly, yeah. I didn't read a lot of them. <laughs> it's fair, uh, but they've done that with several different rules in this book and also in the Space Marine book as well, where there are these. Uh, they're not quite universal rules, but it's a rule shared across a bunch of different similar units, and they just sort of, like, they codified it into a single version 
that they can like work off for keywords. So it can just be like spend one CP. This unit has the dimensional translocation ability or whenever a unit dimensionally translocates something, something, whatever. Um, it lets them refer to it much more easily, which is nice to see. Yeah, and yeah. universal reserve rules was is kind of the new ninth thing, and I, that was something we desperately needed. And, it, and, and it's weird because eighth did have a universal res- reserve rule, just refused to admit it. Yeah. Yeah. My my thing that I like um, going forward is their new way of making u- units that should be tough tough. Oh yeah. Um, such as uh, the new quantum shielding rule, how they changed it. Oh uh, yeah. That only ever wounded on a four up. That seems to be com- be becoming the common rule among things that they want to be tougher. Um, yeah. Than your average thing. It's... Uh, you know, space ring codex saw it too. Uh-huh. Um, but like this, this this specific rule is actually becoming one of my favorite rules. It, it's self explanatory, and you're no longer like struggling with like you know your your T six unit or T seven unit mm-hmm. that's suddenly getting like blown out of the water by stuff. It's like, no, only enforced. Yeah. No, no matter what. That and the 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 limit on wounds per phase are both new ideas that they seem to be exploring a lot, and I think they are both going to be relatively successful ideas, mm-hmm. um, because they they do things that sort of like get around some of the potential problems in the game. Um, now I'm admittedly a little bit leery of the way they uh, gave it to every single Death Watch unit or uh, Death wing unit um but you know that's that's a problem for a different discussion uh the yeah, rule I'll, I'll hold my mouth good. on that one <laughs> yeah the rule is good hey i'm only learning one codex at a time folks i have not yeah. read the new space marine crap shut up <laughs> core keyword what do we what do we where are we sitting on this one because it seems like almost all of the auras are either tied to core or to one of the like other keywords like dynastic agent or canoptech or something like that there's very few just like auras that affect all necrons so my observation there is uh, is they're trying to keep it thematic like as they were describing in their preview stuff is there Mm -hmm. They're trying to avoid parking lots and things not interacting. So it's like, yeah, you can't sit back there and yeah. buff all that crap anymore. We want you yeah. buffing the little guys on the table running up. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a fan of Core so far. I was really reluctant about it at first. Um, but reading how they've done it between the two codexes, uh, a lot of units still have it. Um, yeah. It's not, it's kind of, it, more, it felt more like a way to exclude things and than more of a way to... Uh, well, that's what it is. It's a way to exclude things, but yeah. it's 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 pretty inclusive. It's not as exclusive as I thought it would be. Um, and I also like the idea of giving really really powerful buffs mm-hmm. to a very small inclusive group of things. So you no longer yeah. have you. They can they can design around certain things. Like once again, the Silent Kings aura is only specifically hit a very small subsect of units, but the but the aura it gives are is bonkers. Yeah. yeah. So. I I definitely appreciate the sort of more restrictive auras and uh, really just sort of more targeted stuff like that, um, rather than the sort of faction-wide ones. Uh, I think it does end up causing a few weird things, like, 
flayed ones aren't core, which is sort of like, okay, but then there are a few other things that are that, like, it just ends up feeling a little bit weird in places and, and may, maybe kind of cuts some units out that maybe should otherwise have uh, been allowed to be part of the party. But it's not a massive thing. I think generally the 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 utilization of the core keyword is fairly good in the Necron book. I was going to comment, if they are super off and they realize, oh crap, we meant to core flayed ones, an errata will fix that. Oh, exactly. That's exactly what yeah. I was going to say. Core is a modifiable thing. Yes. Um, between between FAQs and chapter approves and this and that, it's really easy to just be like, oh, core. Uh, and then suddenly the world changes. Like right. I'm pretty sure at some point this edition we'll see something go from uh, not core to core or core to not core, yeah. and it's going to change. That's going to change people's lists. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The last big thing I want to really hit on here, and maybe you guys have uh, some other small topics, but the one that I think really stuck out to me was the way they changed stratagems. Yeah, they're in groups now. They've got stratagem types. Yeah, there's there's six types, which really that's just an organizational thing. Um, it doesn't it doesn't really it doesn't do anything, at least not yet. Um, the, the fact that they have a keyword does mean they can potentially like it's like you know negate one enemy epic deed stratagem. It's like oh that's a cool idea, uh, mm-hmm. but that actually sort of existed in the previous edition and they just never used it, but. Uh, the thing that I actually found much more interesting was just sort of like reading through them and looking at what the stratagems did and how many of them there were and in which of the categories. Um, because maybe, maybe you guys had a slightly different impression, but it looked to me like, A, they dropped the cost on stratagems. There's a lot of 1CP stratagems now. Mm-hmm. Um, B... There's way fewer of the, like, super swingy ones. Um, Like, there's no shoot-again or fight-again stratagem that is just usable by any Necron unit. Um, And that's sort of, that is, you know, we're not going to talk a lot about the the Space Marine book, but that that is kind of the case with them as well, where, like, there's no longer just generic, like, do-it-a-second-time stratagems. Um... And they also threw away a bunch of those garbage stratagems that were like, when a land speeder is within six inches of two different whirlwinds who both shot at separate units, reroll ones on charges. Um, Question mark. Right. All, all those trash stratagems that no one cared about and like they would come out, come up like once every 30 games they just threw all of those away and replaced them with kind of like generally useful but not like super influential stuff um the one that really jumped out to me in that respect is necrons have a one cp stratagem that is when you're gonna roll to wound with a weapon don't it just wounds i like that one yeah that's it's only it's one cp it's cheap it's usable with lots of different weapons, and it gives you something that's useful, but it's not, like, hugely swingy. Like, honestly, that's not really, like, a lot better than just spending a CP to re-roll the wound roll. Um, but it, it does something that's useful and, like, lets your CP affect the game. 
I, I think what they're going for with stratagems now is their actual strategy. So mastery of mm-hmm. like getting a little bit of tempo, getting a mm-hmm. little bit of extra oomph here when you need it. That kind of deal, I think, is exactly what these stratagems are for now. Yeah. I uh I like the idea and they keep they did this with auras and they did it with stratagems too, where they're targeting specific units, um, mm. and making the specific unit ones pretty like relatively powerful. Yeah, because um, giving you kind of a reason to take that unit in general. Because like you have this like you have in game design, you, just, you have this like vacuum environment where one thing's always going to be better than the other. Well, when you add these layers of complexity, such as auras, stratagems, etc. That really mixes up the pot um, mm-hmm. and makes a very variable situation of, well, this is going to be better here and this is going to be better there. And when would I do this? And what combos can I have? Like I explained with that destroyer combo earlier, the Silent yeah. King, like that, that stratagem is what makes that really good, actually. Uh, yeah. But because um, like what's going to kill the Silent King? What do you get to shoot it for free? Mm-hmm. It's going to be something huge. You're not going to get to shoot it. Nothing not worthwhile. Right. Um, it, so... I, I like the idea of where they went with it. They got rid of all the trash. They made all the stuff that's specific pretty good. And everything that's that's generally across the board is modest. Um, yeah. And I, I really like that design. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like the fact that they're playing, they they played catch up and now you can actually, you know, buy your extra warlord tricks and relics. I like the fact that that's becoming standard. Yeah. Um, as an orc player, I'm salty. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people are going to be unhappy about the state of some of stuff until you know more co- codexes come out but that's just a thing mm-hmm. that's normal especially with the first codexes of the edition yeah yeah but since they, they played catch up and they caught up on the things that are obviously good um from that came from psychic awakening in the later end of eighth edition um so they added all that stuff they got rid of the majority of the trash uh, they got rid of the stuff that doesn't work anymore. Obviously, mm-hmm. they, you know that you can see you see some weird editing stuff every now and then. But yeah, um, there's some small I, ones. But I I like I like what they're doing with strategies in in this edition, uh, and and what we're seeing in the in, in the current codexes going forward. Um, it if it, it gives a good feeling. It feels like they, not to like discredit anybody, GW design. It feels like they know what they're doing now. Yeah. It's not to say that they were incompetent before, but it it sometimes felt very scattershot, um, which I'm sure there was a lot of factors playing into that. But this book feels very intentional. Like, they were like, this is what we are choosing to do. Whereas a lot of a lot of books in eighth edition, especially the earlier ones, kind of felt like like we tried to make a game and here it is, and you'd be like, um, I'm not sure if this is what you intended, but you actually made Eldar, the weedy space elves, the hardest to kill in the game. Yeah. I don't think you chose to do that, but that is what you did. And this book is, it's very clear that like, okay, we know what we want Necrons to look like, and we have crafted a set of rules so that a good Necron army looks like what we think necrons should look like they also definitely tune things in a weird way uh, not a weird way more of a, a very purposeful way like when they took away the stratagem that three do- doom sites get to use yep. yeah um that not only is that game warping and game changing they they took they just completely took that out they also went uh we don't like that many flyers on the board yeah um, 
and they're like, let's let's get, let's not encourage people to bring three doom sites. Right. Um, so yeah. it, it gives it gives these nudges in the in how they want the game to look like and what they want uh, lists and builds look like. Yeah, that's actually a a very obvious gap. Uh, now that I kind of think about it, is they took away all of the you need three of this stratagems and just like threw them away because. The reality is Games Workshop doesn't like seeing that on the table. They never have, and it's very odd that they kept pushing us to do that. It's like, you know, hey, if you bring three Doom Scythes, then you can do this super cool laser beam attack. It's like, okay, well, then what if I bring six Doom Scythes? No, don't bring six Doom Scythes. Jeez, God, you're ruining the game. It's like, you're the one who told me to do this. Why are you angry? I imagine there's like a secret backroom conversation they're having in their boardroom, and it's like, and it's a, it's an argument between the sales and design, and mm. sales is like, we should make these strategies so people buy more. <laughs> I I know there is a certain amount of push from the uh, the sales and executive section of things when it comes to certain units and design choices. Freaking Primaris, for example, that entire line. <laughs> this book feels like there's a lot less of that. All the new oh, it stuff still has is, it, but I'm happy with them. <laughs> all the new stuff is good, but it doesn't feel like wildly better than the, the stuff, stuff that already existed. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that a lot. It's it's nice. At the end of the day, your the Necron armies you're going to see on the other side of the board are going to be wildly wildly different mm-hmm. than the than what they were in eighth. Um, it, it's. They're, and they're going to be a lot more fun because, like, the the Necron meta had devolved to like two lists. Oof, yeah, two is <laughs> um, generous, even. Um, and like it, I said two just because I didn't want to say yeah. one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like it, there, there, there's going to be some wild stuff out there. Um, and I like that design choice. I like variability. I like utility. And as we mentioned earlier, like a lot of these units have like utility now. Yeah. Uh, and that makes better players yep. able to make better plays. Um, so better players will also do better with particular Necron lists and such. It's not just going to be like, well, I'm I'm rolling this many numbers and doing this many things mm-hmm. on top of this stupid stratagem that if I go first, kind of is really is game shaping. So um, cool. That used to be Necrons. Now Necrons is not that anymore. Uh, the other thing I was going to comment on very quickly is I was expecting to see stratagems that let you basically do a thing and an action. Um mm-hmm. Because that was a stratagem that, like, I kind of like. Ah, I bet we're gonna get those, and we did get those. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Indeed. good. <laughs> yeah, they're clearly making actions um, like a thing in the game. That's actually the one thing I do like about that garbage terrain piece. The terrain piece gives you an action you can take with like some of your characters. That's cool. I want to mm-hmm. see more of that. Uh, yeah, that, it's a really cool concept of like when you have this thing on the table you can take an action and something happens that would otherwise be impossible. That's cool design space. Oh, yeah. Oh, we almost we almost forgot about the unique missions they get. They get their yeah. own secondaries. Let's, let's hit on that real quick. Um, there's also the whole crusade and all that. We're not going to talk about that here because it's not really the place. But the secondaries, I guess, what? how do you guys feel? feel about those are they strong weak interesting boring choosable 
is my is going to be they okay. they are they are takeable. Um, the 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 reverse recon one where you have to keep them out of two. That's the one that um, gets me get that really kind of caught my attention. Yeah, yeah, that that one's actually good. Yes. Um, because the specific Necron list, like I, yeah, no, I can keep my opponent out of two, and since it's holy within, yeah. um, yeah, no, I I'm confident I could probably pull that off pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I think in some cases, especially against some lists where it's hard to like take secondaries against them or you don't have like enough x to kill or whatever um i just take that yeah that one is is definitely strong the the control objective markers one that your opponent gets to pick is maybe a little bit marginal but not undoable uh, it'll depend a lot on the particular mission you're playing um the kill characters with kill, kill units with your characters one is just garbage uh because only nobles can do it and nobles are really not all that great at killing things so no they're kind of middling yeah yeah i i really like that that anti-recon one though because it's also because me i like setting traps i want to do as a trap like yes please enter this corridor of the board yes i would love to completely destroy anti-recon is very strong especially because like recon it scores at the end of your turn which means you you know if they move their stuff in to like try and like i see i'm in all four quarters you're like cool now it's my turn i'm gonna start killing stuff oh the uh the one where you need a noble to destroy i think a silent king list could take advantage of that easily yeah it's a I suppose that's plausible. There's situations where you could be doing that. It's like, you know, they've got some big vehicles, you've got your two big laser towers, and you're kinda like, bam, bam, two land speeders. Thanks for six points, idiot. Uh aren't yeah, Satan uh, Shards characters? Uh yes, but it's specifically need nobles. To be nobles. Uh, um, yeah, I was gonna say Night Nightbringer with Code of Combat yeah, was yeah, yeah. Even I'll some of their HQs it. don't qualify, <laughs> so yeah. Most of their HQs don't. Nobles a very interesting subset of the HQ faction. Yeah, because the, the nobles are like the high rank dudes, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh and and they also have the like wacky action one, which is it's something. It's not horrible. But yeah, the the introduction of these uh, these new like faction specific secondaries, I think, is very interesting to see because it it does add a little bit more flavor to uh, these factions and give them some more options. Um, I don't I don't hate it. I'm I'm perfectly fine with this. Uh, I think they have to step a little bit carefully with them, and they clearly are being a little bit cautious with these, but. Uh, from between this and the and the Space Marine book, I don't see any problem causers so far. I think that's what they're aiming for. Is the secondaries are are doable, but you do have to work for them, and that's what they're trying to strike the balance with. Yeah, yeah, they're trying not to make ones where you don't auto take it, but they're also trying not to make ones where you just never take it. So yeah. it, I think, I think they hit that that midpoint for sure, uh, especially depending on list design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you don't—you never know if you're going to play that mission, so I wouldn't advise playing your list around these because they're very specific to the mission. Right. Um, but still cool. Yeah. No, I—I I think they. A lot of people seem kind of worried about the uh, the inclusion of these. Um, and oh, I was for sure. Having having read them, I feel pretty okay about it. I am pleasantly surprised with the forethought 
um, in a lot of the, of what we're reading now. Now, there's obviously some misses. Yeah. Not in this codex. Not in this codex, but obviously some misses. But I, I'm overall design wise, other than like a skipped keyword here or like maybe this could use this over here. Mm-hmm. None of these things are hard to fix if we yeah. if they decide that they don't like it. Yeah, they are. There's nothing in this codex that is unfixable with just like the level of FAQs and errata that we've typically seen. Um, yeah, which is a very good sign. Yeah, I don't think there's a single stat line I don't like. Um, the most uh, the things I disagree with would be like points cost or yeah. um, a uh, a keyword here or there. So like, it's not no none of those things are those things are super minor. Yeah. Um. Well, let's wrap this up real quick with uh, kind of an assessment, which I know we're all uh, talking a little bit out of our ass here because we really haven't been to any tournaments because where we are, there aren't any tournaments. Oregon Um, has a tighter shutdown than many states. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, has been good overall, but it has mean that we basically haven't played a lot of games. Um where do we put this book kind of like initial estimates uh in the the power rankings so far um how how do we rank it compared to some of the other the big names so far in the in ninth edition so this is how i rank books can you feasibly win a gt with it heck yes um, <laughs> absolutely can you win a major with it if you're good enough Highly likely. It's good enough to take you to majors and take majors. uh, Because there's a lot of depth and strategy there. Um, And that's just how I rank books. Like, does it... Can can it win a certain type of tournament? Well, let me me throw, I guess, one kind of quick follow-up on that. Um, Do you think this is a book that plausibly wins a super major like BAO or Nova? I don't have enough of a handle on Ninth to say anything towards that at all. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, ben, what about you? What do you? How, how do you kind of put this up against the field right about now? If I was going to use tier lists, mm-hmm. um, where you have S tier, A tier, B tier, yeah, uh, Necrons went from literally trash, yep. um, like you know your 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 D and F tier. Uh, to a, I would say tier two. Um, I wouldn't, I'd maybe almost tier one. Uh, mm. they, they, they will compete with the tier one armies. Like if you're looking at the current ninth edition tier one armies, we're talking Harlequin, Death Guard, Space Marine, Custodes. Yeah. Um, those, those are those are your tier ones right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your S tiers. Um, uh, that's a lot for S tier. It's a lot of units, but like those are your competitive armies. I think that Codex competes with all of those. Um, on a relatively reasonable level. Yeah. Uh, if we wanted, to, if we wanted to break down that that like Space Marines obviously gets a little boost to the top, and I want to get a little bump down to the bottom. But I think those are all there. If not, um, you know, as good as you know, Demons, Orcs, etc., Sisters, which are all pretty good armies right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're gonna it's gonna land somewhere in that space. But I just from what I can read and what's currently out there, and the fact that they get the the fancy ninth edition uh, fun rules um, mm-hmm. that they can take advantage of, uh, that I'm going to put them as competitive with the current tier one armies. I think I would agree on that. Uh, they they have the kind of tools they need to really cause havoc for a lot of the top end armies. Um and they have the right kind of shenanigans to be able to fight 
basically any of the other armies, even like Eldar or Harlequins or whatnot, in a sort of, you know, game of sneaky tricks. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've got a lot going on. They are not just some metal dudes that you march forward. Uh, I, I actually think this is a very deep book with a very high skill cap, just because of stuff like the protocols and kind of overlapping auras and stuff like that. There's a lot of choices for a player to make here. So here's an observation about protocols. Um, uh-huh. Really quick, is you pick the order they happen in. Yes. Unlike a Space Marine player. You have control it, over that. And, very importantly, you pick it at the beginning of the game, so you've got to know where the game is going from before it even before deployment even happens. Yeah. Um, so what that does is it basically means if you're a really good forethinking player, mm-hmm. you will get to use that real hard. Yeah. Um, a observation, because I was listening to people reviewing it, is there's eventually going to settle down to a 80% of the time right order that most people will take as a default. And I suspect that'll be true. I, I think there's going to be a default that most players kind of like order it into. I think the difference between a decent like mid-table player and a GT winning player is often going to be how they use their protocols. Yeah. Um, I would I would agree. This this book has all sorts of tricks and skill cap and other things to take advantage of. Um, yeah. I, I I'm pretty excited for it. And even in just the list building phase, um, you're gonna see someone build come up with a good list, and people are gonna copy it. That's yeah. that's gonna be a lot of your players out there. But like, there's a lot of innovation available in this list. Oh, yeah. You're like somebody, someone's gonna, someone out there is gonna come up with a killer list that other people haven't thought of or 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 perfected. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to randomly stomp a GT, um, yep. and then everyone's going to copy that list. So, like, I don't think you're going to. It's going to boil down to what it what uh, eighth was. No. Yeah, you're not going to get like one good list and everyone just plays that. Like, there's going to be at least two or three, you know, strong contender Necron lists, and probably a couple other like people are playing around with it to see if they can come up with a a meta breaker build. Yeah, because. Everything in the book is solid and is supported nope. solidly for the most part. So there's a yeah. lot of just stuff you can change out. There's a lot of components mm-hmm. to work with. So that's that's my takeaway. There's a lot of components to work with. We haven't even scratched the surface of what this book can do. Absolutely. And if you're just picking this book up and like playing around with it, just start putting units and lists and trying them out because there's so much to learn here. There's a lot of different things that you're going to need to get a feel for before you're really going to start building optimized lists. I mean, Sean and I both have Necron armies that have kind of been sitting around in back areas that might get hauled out and played because... It's true. Even the basic Necrons we have without the new stuff still work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, There's a, a lot of the old stuff is really good as well. I'm just trading mine to the members of my team. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> actually a really good way to do it as well. It's like... You start playing this, because I need to test against this. (laughs) (laughs) Incentive. Yeah. All right, I think that basically wraps it up for our little crosstalk discussion here. I ran a little bit longer than normal, but, you know, beginning of an issue, there's a lot to talk about here. 
if you have any questions or if you want to maybe throw a list at us or you know you're 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 curious about our thoughts on some one of the other books uh you want to get in contact with us we are in the finest hour at gmail.com you can also find us on patreon and on facebook and if you'd like to get a little bit more personal connection with us through facebook or on our private discord server which we also run uh, a five dollar a month donation to our patreon will get you access to that as well as episodes that we sometimes release a little bit early specifically for our patreons so thank you very much to everyone who has been contributing to that we really do appreciate everything you're doing for us and it's what makes all of this possible i'd like to thank rylan woodrow for doing our epic art uh, you can find him on facebook and instagram uh, i'd like to thank dank muse for the wonderful sounds he gives us uh, you can find him on soundcloud spotify and youtube all right well i think that wraps it up for this week so until then i'm in sean morgan i'm shannon allen west Ben Jerry. Thanks for listening.